Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Today, I am joined by Sam Keenley, who is the VP of Marketing over at Loxo. Sam, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, glad to have a part two from our conversation a couple of years ago. It's great, dude. So much has changed since that time, but so much is still the same with your curiosity. I love it. Well, Sam, one, I appreciate you being an early guest on the marketing ladder as I was figuring out how the heck to do podcasting and coming back to dig into some of your playbooks on how you really crushed it at Loxo. Again, just to give the super high level with Loxo, you transitioned out of Refine Labs where you're working on hundreds of companies to then work on the one. And you went from, again, Refine Labs, I think at that point had a few or over 100 team members. And you went from 100 team members to I'm like the marketer. And again, in the span of seven or eight months, you got a CEO that was fully bought in on marketing, fully bought in on podcasting, uh, and actually got the budget to then hire out the rest of the team. So again, from a revenue perspective, clearly made an impact. So really excited to dig into how, as a solo marketer, you can build that playbook. And again, specifically as a solo marketer, how you can build a playbook that doesn't drive you absolutely insane trying to do everything all at once. So before we dig in, is there any other context that we should provide on kind of the situation Yeah, before we dig into the playbook? Yeah, no, the biggest thing for me, when I, especially when I was thinking about leaving, you know, a place like Refine Labs, which is unbelievable. I mean, you want to talk about learning. I learned more in, in one year than you could have in, in 10 years of a career elsewhere, which was a huge part of, of why I went there. But in Loxo, the thing that I was looking for with when I decided to go back in-house was like, one, you know, it's like that old Dave Gerhardt quote, like, don't work for CEO who doesn't get marketing. Like he, Matt, our CEO, fully understood the value of marketing and they'd been working for 10 years to really build like what is the greatest piece of recruitment software out there and that was time to let the world know about it so that's what I was like okay insert every marketer's perfect dream right there like all I have to do is let people know about this product sold I'm in like if that's what you want me for yeah. let's do it so that was a that was a huge part where I'm just like he is which is funny because you know recruiting software he's very much of the mindset where it's like I'm a CEO. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I'm going to hire people who are really good at the things that I'm not good at and let them do that. I'm not going to tell them what to do when I don't know what they should be doing in the first place. So he gets marketing in the sense of like how it should be done. And he gives us the freedom to do it in a way where he's not questioning one week later, where are the leads, where's, you know, this or that, like he's truly in it for the long game. Cause that's the second half. We're a bootstrap company. We're not VC. So he's not in it for like, you need to hit quarterly rev targets, annual rev targets. He's like, I want us to be the biggest company in two, five, 10, 20 years. What do we need to do to get there? Yeah. So again, I, I think what's really, really helpful in that additional context is the stage was set for you to run the appropriate playbook and not have to think about, 
okay, I need to make sure that we've hit our quarterly goal and it's day one and I have a 90 day ramp to hit this quarterly goal. We've never done marketing before. So like your stage was actually set up so you could think long term and actually a little bit more strategically. Exactly. Yeah. Still a 90 day plan, but it wasn't revolving around like you need to hit certain targets within those 90 days. Absolutely. I love it. So let's go ahead and dig into kind of the high level playbook of what exactly were you guys doing over that seven or eight month time frame that allowed you to actually hit some of these long or hit some of these goals set the right foundation higher in the team? Yeah. So those first seven, eight months. So funny, not funny thing. And so I've been in, in contact with Matt for a few years before I joined and he'd always been thinking about like, we need marketing someday. So had a few conversations when I first started refine, he's like, Hey, I need someone for marketing. I'm like, I don't know enough yet to lead a marketing team, but like, let's stay in touch. I'll help you as I can. Year goes by, you know, they keep doing what they're doing. And then a year later, he reaches out. He's like, Hey, I think we're ready for marketing to, to really jump off. I'm like, I'm still here. I'm still happy. I'm still learning. Why don't you become a refined customer for a little bit? So before I joined here, he was uh, a customer that I, I personally managed with a couple other members of the team for about six months. So getting started, it was ground zero. There was no marketing in place from an outbound perspective. So our our real plays were demand generation and pipeline acceleration. We don't really have a huge customer expansion motion. It was we're, we're a startup in a sense that like we're new to the market. There's plenty of incumbents. So how do we really start to break through, make some noise so people understand who is Loxo? What are you about? Why are you better than what I'm using or not using today? And, and really pushing on it from that standpoint. So very focused on net new, which I think is going to be music to a lot of marketers ears today as there's a lot of focus on net new in 2024. And again, Blackboard, like some very... I don't want to say simple, but some very like standard demand generation playbooks of how do we set the right foundation. So again, as we start to think through some of those playbooks, what was the technology that you guys were using to actually run some of these plays? Not much. So I one, I'm not a fan of big tech stacks. They drive me crazy. So minimal tech stack. So we do a lot of paid acquisition. So LinkedIn. Facebook ads, those are all native through the platform. You don't have to like go out and buy a display provider or anything. You just push through there. We did get a podcast started while I was here. So outsource the podcast audio and video production side of it to an agency. So a couple, couple thousand dollars a month, nothing crazy there. And then the media spend overall was determined by us. So how much did we want to spend up and down from an ad, ad perspective? But those are the big ones. And then Brought in HubSpot a little bit later because we had no, we had Salesforce already, and then we have our software, but we had nothing to really connect all of our data. What's usage look like? What do we know about our customers? How are people engaging with what and where? So it's like we have the sales side over here, product side over here, nothing in between. So I said, all right, the other part of tactics aside from just getting into straight, I need to generate demand is we need to be operationally tight. And so this is honestly, the most impactful tactic, I would say in the first 90 to 180 days while I was there was my background is demand gen. I could do demand gen all day. I love demand gen. I barely touched demand gen in my first 90 days. I was really focused on a lot of operations. So you might think like marketing ops, sales ops, rev ops, whatever you want to call it there. Because at the end of the day is like, we need to have processes in place to make the most of what we have. This is the biggest leaky area for most every company. And so especially when we don't have VC funding, we need to make the most of every dollar that we have. Before I start going and saying, hey, can I get five, 10, 20, $50,000 more per month to spend? 
am I making the most of what I have today? And so that's where I'd go and look at our funnel and understand like where are people falling through? What are we doing to improve on all those? So that was a big part of like why we brought in HubSpot so we could have all that data and understand things there. And then just getting into other things. Why are we winning? How do we do more of that? Why are we losing? Well, let's do less of that. So really getting into those and understanding them at a fundamental level before I then say, all right, let's scale. Because if you just scale off of thinking like dollar spend alone on the wrong things, you're going to waste a lot of money very quickly. And I know there's, I forget what the stat is, but it's like what every year and a half or two years is like the average tenure with CMO. I'm not a CMO, but I'm not trying to add to that column of like, not making an impact in those first few years and then being like, Hey, let's get out, get him out of here. Cause he's not being efficient or effective with what we've been doing. Yeah. So again, just to, to repeat it back, I mean, really from a tech perspective, you had your website, you had like the native ad platforms. And it sounds like the only real tech that you specifically bought to, to really bring it in was HubSpot, which helped you operationally from a reporting perspective, from a tracking perspective so that you could actually look objectively at your data and say, what is helping us win? What is not helping us win? And then based on that, how do we better allocate our existing resources before asking for more, which sounds absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's dead on. And it's, it's nothing sexy, but it's those fundamental, simple things that like you have to have that foundation there to grow off of. Absolutely. So one other thing that I want to dig into before we talk through content is audience. Again, Loxo mm -hmm. is a recruitment platform, so it's very specific to a niche. But I am curious, how did you, as you were starting to do this advertising, actually identify the best audience to go after? Yeah, so what's interesting, I never thought of it this way before I joined Loxo. There's two types of recruiters. You have in-house recruiters and agency external recruiters. In-house, I work at Amazon. I need to hire people to work for me at Amazon. Agency, I work at Amazon. We need to hire a CFO, a CTO, a very specific person. We don't have the skill set on our recruiting team to hire someone. So I'm going to go to an agency, an executive search firm to go and headhunt for that type of person. So we go after both sets of recruiters. I mean, we, we help any recruiter anywhere. But in terms of how to target them, honestly, this was an absolute layup for me as a marketer. Where do recruiters spend most of their time? On LinkedIn. So win-win all around. I'm like, I know how to use this platform. Well, this is like, I already know they're spending their time here. So that's where we focus the majority of our, our efforts. I mean, it's it's well over 50% of our, our time and effort spent on LinkedIn. We absolutely do still play in like there's Facebook communities all over for a bunch of recruiters, which is really interesting. Like they don't like Slack communities or others. They have Facebook groups that they participate in. So we, we make sure we show up there. Reddit's a big one where they do spend a lot of time as well. YouTube, but disproportionately LinkedIn is is the the main channel there. Okay. And again, because it's it's such a specific niche use case, if you're not a recruiter, then Loxo isn't isn't a good fit. So like you're you're kind of locked in from an audience perspective of these these are our people, which I think is really, really helpful as you're thinking through how to do this from a playbook perspective. Yeah. And so it's it's limiting, but it's not you like it's just recruiters. But if you go and look at the TAM of recruiters, it's like every company it's you have to have people in order to operate at the end of the day. So it's like, no matter what kind of company you're going to have to recruit, you're going to have to hire. So definitely not limited there. And I, I kind of like I've worked. I've advised companies that are fine where they're like, I don't we don't know our ICP. We don't know our market. And trying to figure that out is not as fun as it sounds when you're also trying to get results. So being constrained yeah. and knowing like, I only know this is the audience we want to go after. And we're not trying to expand to others. We're not trying to be everyone to everything. That's actually more empowering. So you can really like continue to push the product, make it better, 
because anyone can make a product that's like 80% good enough for everyone, but very few spend the time to focus and make it 98% perfect for a very specific group of people because that's what makes it last. Yeah, I love it. And again, you were running ads towards this audience is kind of the the most impactful playbook for actually generating awareness and then trying to start them converting. But I'm fairly confident that you were not just running schedule of call ads for everything. So what, what was the content you guys were actually using to start to engage this audience? Yeah, not the, not the schedule of call, get a demo, not the, God, I've worked at companies before. It's, this is the typical B2B play for a while. It's like, look how great our company is. Look how great our product is, which it's like, yeah, that, that kind of works. But 98% of the people are like, cool. I still don't understand what, what it is you do or why that matters to me. So the approach that we take is be educational, be informative and add in some entertainment along the way. So the, the ways that I like to try to bridge this is think of like what HubSpot was for marketers 15 years ago. It was the place to learn marketing, whether or not you use their software. It's like you wanted to learn marketing. They had ebooks. I remember going and downloading these ebooks, printing them off, putting them in binders with a highlighter and reading them out. I was like, how to do content, how to do product marketing, how to do demand marketing, all of that. And so trying to marry that with the recruiting space, because there's no company that's really leading the way for that. So we're creating a new category, the talent intelligence platform. And there's plenty of individual thought leaders in the recruiting space, but there's no one company that's really helping to educate at the category industry level. They're all either only preaching like best practices within their specific part of recruitment, but not like how to do a proper business development strategy for a recruiter. Like mm. I don't see many people like teaching strategy and doing all that. So that's a big part of it. And so that's where things like our podcast come into play, where we're speaking an industry level. We're teaching you how to be a better recruiter, regardless of the tech that you do use that you don't use. I don't care if you use locks. I don't care if you use our competitor, but great power to you. I want you to just be the best recruiter possible because what you're going to lend do is you're going to keep coming back to us to learn, to grow. And you're going to know that our company, if that's a direction that we're thinking, our product is going to be growing and evolving in that way. We're not going to be stale. We're not going to be stagnant. So I'm playing the long game with that. So that's the huge lever in the educational side. And then we're humans. Entertainment is always going to get our eyes. It's always going to like put a smile on our face. It's always going to make you more memorable. So having that element also makes you just not be so B2B like stuffy feeling it, it creates that brand affinity that makes people like want to be able to use you it's like oh man i'm stuck in a contract right now but i really like their stuff like i, I kind of want to be part of that or and or you know affiliated with it so that's a little another stickiness lever that makes them want to come back i th i just think that that is so huge and again i don't think that a lot of people think about that from an account-based marketing perspective but literally looking at what are our best fit kind of customers the kind of content that they would want to engage with like I've already seen it with, with my own little agency. I've had people come in about and say, I'm locked into an agency contract right now, but like when that contract is over, I really want to come work with you. And I've got like really solid, accurately forecasted close dates and I've already started to see it working. So like, because it's just good education, hopefully it's a little bit entertaining, but it's actually helping them win the day right now without having to pay us. Like it's, that is the best kind of marketing. So mm -hmm. again, you guys are doing it through your podcast. Like, how did you then use the podcast for kind of the content creation process? Yeah, so it's the typical like Chris Walker playbook, really like take the podcast. Basically, you can't have 
the micro content without first having the macro content. We can't get those brilliant one minute snippets if we don't have that half hour, hour discussion beforehand. And so the way that we use that content is, is we have the, the macro piece, the podcast recording itself. So that gives us audio, video, long form format. From there, we then take out, okay, what are the two to three brilliant things that were said during this conversation that we'll then create micro videos of? And we'll go and distribute those organically from our company page. We'll share them with the people that were on the podcast. If it was the guest that said it, great, here you go. Like you said some really smart things. It's going to help a bunch of people. It's not about us, but it's just, it's genuinely going to help recruiters share this on your side as well. And then, or if it's our CEO, it's, it's content for him to push out. So shared organically, we leverage the thought leadership a for campaign format on LinkedIn, which is phenomenal. Cause again, people don't buy from companies, they buy from people. So we're seeing amazing engagement from that by boosting it from the company page. So we use them as ads as well. But again, it's, it's that's from the video side, create it into written content. So can turn those into blog posts, can turn them into customer stories, can turn them into little testimonials from if they are interview guests, anything else, but really pushing them out in in all of those different ways. We even have BDRs leveraging them. I say like, here's a conversation with, call it like a, a two to five agency user shop. You're doing a prospecting campaign focused specifically on these types of people, like link to this episode, pull a quote out about like something that they've done with this. It's gonna make it more relevant and helpful for them. And it's not all about Loxo, it's about the person. They can put themselves in their shoes. They can't put themselves in our shoes as a company. Like that's just not the way it works. Yeah. So again, I just love, you've got this macro uh, content engine through the podcast that again, I don't know if we've mentioned it specifically, but like you're, if I'm not mistaken, the CEO is the host of the show. He and I co-host. Yeah. He's, uh, okay. he joins when he can, but he's definitely the subject matter expert. Okay. So again, you've got executive level presence. So it's not just a, a marketing manager necessarily that's hosting yep. the show. You've got subject matter experts on the call. And again, from that perspective, like, you're using it in your advertising, but you also mentioned that you use it for your BDR. So again, I'm curious actually on the relationship with the BDR team and how you were then partnering up with the BDRs to actually help drive pipeline. Yeah, BDRs are a superpower when they're used properly. They are a nuisance when they're used improperly. So <laughs> I'll call it, everyone kind of knows the nuisance play where it's like you get the unsolicited email, it's not relevant. Hey, insert first name here. I received an email the other day. It was like, I noticed that you're, I'm not going to name the platform here, platform user. It was one of our direct competitors. And I'm just like, I think you need to go back and revisit your list. And you also haven't like thinking to myself, like you, you clearly didn't do any research as part of it. They're on the volume plan. They need to make 120 calls a day, 150 emails a day. You know, that's all it is. And what people don't realize higher up when they're setting these targets is that you're actually burning more bridges than you're creating in today's day and age. So like if, I don't even remember the company that said it, but like if someone were to recommend a company, I would not recommend that company to anyone else knowing like that's how they approach business and everything. So moving away from how do we change them from not being a nuisance? Like, well, how, how do you make them on like an appreciated presence for someone? So turn them from lead generation into strategic advisors. So instead of doing 120 emails a day, what if they did 12 emails a day and really did the research to understand who should we be reaching out to? And so even to that point, we're a dual motion go to market company in that we have a product led growth motion and a sales led growth motion. People can talk to sales, people can get started for free right on our website today. So instead of saying BDRs, you can only do your own cold outbound prospecting, can't be account that's never touched us, doesn't know us, like 
that's setting them up for a really hard uphill battle. So we have, ever since we launched our PLG motion last March, we have, a, I'll call it a good volume of signups every day. And we don't, we're still working through like, what's the best onboarding experience? We don't know. But everyone always eventually wants help. Like when, when you start with a PLG signup, like if you sign up with Figma, with Canva, with something, you get started and sometimes you get dropped in, you're just like, oh, what do I do now? Like there's, there's that little product tour you can get into sometimes, but more often than not, people drop off because they're just like, I call it the Netflix effect. You're just overwhelmed. You don't know what to choose. So you don't choose anything and you just leave. So what we do is we partner with our, PL, with our BDRs and we have a playbook specifically for PLG signups. You say, these are people who know about Loxo. They're in the product. So now they're in the product. Your job is to keep them in there. So help them. And so what we do is it's not like, hey, you heard about Loxo. Come check out how great we are. It's like, hey, notice that you're in the platform. Like, congrats. Like, it's day one. Here's three things that we found have been really helpful for people when they're getting started. Like how to set up this, how to do that. And then on day three, they follow up again with something else in another video. We even have a PS in there. It's like, hey, if you want to talk more, like here's a link to our VP of marketing's schedule if you want to talk to him and ask him questions. So we give people a number of opportunities to get involved, but we, I'd have to go back and look at the chart, but it was so funny because we could see when we didn't have BDRs involved and when we did, because previously we didn't have BDRs involved because we had a rule for attribution. BDRs couldn't get involved and flip an op within 14 days of that sign up because it was marketing source. I'm like, I don't care if it's marketing sourced, if it's sales sourced, if it's alien source, like we have people who are in here and we're not getting them to become customers. That's the attribution is doing more harm to the company because we're fighting over that. And no one was really fighting over it, but there was just like this unwritten rule. It's like, take credit. I don't care who gets credit, but we have these people that are ready and want to use our product. We need to make the most of it. So I said like, screw the rule, get over it. We're going to go get into it. I'll deal with that at the leadership level. But if we can get you all to engage with these, these customers, we're going to see a massive uptick. And that hypo hypothesis proved out correct. We saw it was something like a four to five X jump in qualified opportunities, specifically from people who started in the, the PLG signup into that. And they did. They wanted to talk to sales just to understand better what do long-term contracts look like. But from that one simple move where you properly leverage the data that you have, a little common sense and how to approach people, like it's nothing, it's not rocket science at the end of the day, but like how do you really make the best of all worlds instead of getting so caught up in like who should or shouldn't get paid or, or like who looks the best at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more on like, again, just the stupidity of the attribution that we lock ourselves into. I mean, I was, I've been talking to a client and we identified that the expansion motion was the best opportunity and they're like, but our sales team won't get credit for that. And then they won't do it. And it's like, <laughs> you are shooting yourselves in the foot. So again, understanding in a leadership. And again, you, Sam, just did it masterfully of like, do what's best for the company. I'll handle it, handle it at a leadership level so that we can actually make sure that everything is okay. Like do what's going to be best for the company and don't stress over the leadership level things. Like that's really equipping your team to actually be successful. So again, as I think through the whole playbook, macro content podcast that then gets trapped up into micro content that's then distributed through advertising. And again, then leading into a product-led growth motion where your BDR team steps in to then support in the actual uh, product engagement and then upselling them once they've moved from product-led growth into in a, a fully paid customer. Is that kind of the summary of the playbook that we're talking through here? Yeah, at a simple level, like 
that's it. And if you do those things as well, like you don't have to go and get, you know, 10 platforms to try to achieve growth. Like it's doing the fundamentals, just do them well, do them consistently. And, you know, shiny objects look great, but they fade. Yeah. So I think that's going to get directly into any unexpected roadblocks or challenges that you experienced, especially again, solo marketer run this whole playbook. Yeah. Early on, it was the number of hours in the day. Like, how do you prioritize as a team member of one? So I had to ruthlessly prioritize with myself. And so that was a combination of understanding truly like what's urgent for the company, what's high on the priority list of my CEO, and then making sure that I'm working that in with also what do I know needs to be done and, and you know, figuring out all that, where do I spend my time? And the other one is my skill set. So as I said, my strength is demand gen marketing, digital marketing. I can I can do those all day. I'm not a copywriter. But what happens when I need to be able to convey our message in a way that stands out, yet's easy to be understood? I'm not a designer. We still have to create visuals from ads to videos to what shows up on our website to make sure they reflect well of us. And I am not an ops person, but like I said, like that was something that was so pivotal to what we did to make sure the data was flowing. So roadblocks you can call them roadblocks challenges like i call the opportunity because that was another part of why i wanted to go in-house was really flesh out my skill set like i know i can do demand generate refined but i want to become a better marketer from both like the different facets of marketing but also thinking at the business leadership level how all connect so there were definitely challenges and that's where it comes down to figure out over time like do them i'm i'm a first principles learner thinker do it once figure out is this something I should be spending my time on? Something I shouldn't be spending my time on? Spend my time on? Cool. Okay, well, what does that replace? Shouldn't spend my time on? All right, is this something we need to do at all? Or do I need to start thinking about, do we freelance, outsource, bring on a full-time hire for this, and then start to make out what that plan looks like from there? So that was the first two, three quarters, right? There was really figuring out those types of things so we could scale. I was like, my, my theory was if this playbook works, this philosophy works, we'll be in growing. So I can start mapping out like, okay, where do we grow from here? What's needed to continue to grow once this foundation's in place? Yeah, that, that first principles thinking, especially, I, I mean, literally yesterday I was talking with a contractor and we were figuring out exactly what we were going to do. And I realized I could give them an extra 15 hours of work that I needed to get accomplished on every single month. And I'm paying a thousand bucks and I paid a thousand dollars to get two days back in my life. And like, I now can take those two days and do other higher impact things that only I can do. And I just don't think enough marketers think about it in that way of like, what is the trade-off? And again, just the, for lack of the masterclass in, again, is it something we need to be doing at all? If yes, do I have to do it? Or can I get in the right resource to actually get it knocked out? I love that. So final couple of questions. What were the results? So again, seven, eight months of doing this playbook as, as a solo marketer, what, what do we end up seeing at the end of it? Yeah. Growth, which is, you know, what we want at the end of the day. And 2023 was rough on recruiters too. So just look back at all of our, our 2023 stuff, but we saw almost 80% growth year over year in pipeline and 65% growth year over year in revenue. So I think it worked. I mean, definitely <laughs> seems like it from, from that standpoint. So the numbers speak well to that strong brand awareness and affinity. We had over 30 million impressions last year, which I couldn't see the year before. Apparently LinkedIn organic, you know, they don't let you go back that far in time, but nearly certain we didn't have quite that many impressions the the year before that. Not the impressions is the end all be all, but like we're showing up. We are becoming 
a brand that people are like, oh yeah, Loxo, I know what that is. And that kind of gets into these next new points. For our AEs and BDRs, they used to get on calls and they would talk to a prospect and prospect be like, wait, what's Loxo? Who are you? What do you do? And that conversation changed like, oh yeah, Loxo, I know all about you all. Like, what's up? Let's talk. So completely different conversation there that they have. And then our CEO, Matt, he, it was so funny because he, he understood the, the podcast and, and wanting to do it, but he was a little hesitant at first about like doing it as often. He wanted to make sure he's a perfectionist. He wanted to make sure that, you know, people, he says the right things, that it's communicated well. And so as we got underway, I'm like, Matt, people are going to listen to this. People are going to think differently of you in a good way when you do talk to them on calls. Like, just believe me when I say this. Watch, come back to me in a few months, see what you say. Quarter passes by and he he comes back and he's just like, people say they feel like they know me after listening to our podcast when I talk to them during the sales process because he's still very much in the the sales side from the US. And again, that that dynamic of trust, of comfort just makes it so much easier when you are on the sales side because they know it's like, you're not trying to pull one over on them. They know your value prop, what you really focus on. So how that marketing influences the sales side of things like you'll never be able to have like some data point that proves like why that podcast is so good but this type of anecdotal evidence find me a ceo that says like that doesn't make things 100 times better for your sales and what that does for all the conversion rates down funnel well worth it i, I can't get over the 65 percent growth in revenue that you lightly breezed over so yeah i think i think your playbook's working sam before we close out is there anything else that you think the audience should know just as it relates to building an account-based marketing program in a scrappy way or the playbook that you just laid out. Just don't try to do everything at once. Really pick a couple key cornerstone pieces per quarter and just say, if there's three things I get done this quarter, what are they? Because that's going to help you prioritize and really understand what's important. It's going to make sure that those get done. You'll get the other things done as you want, but I've seen, and I've done this myself, you peanut butter yourself, you spread yourself way too thin and nothing ends up really getting done. Or you just go through like the task list of like things that are really easy to do, like launch new CADs, like write new copy. Those are easy. But once you really get your teeth into the meat and the thick of things and take out those big chunks, those are the stepping stones that are going to help you grow versus that really, really small incremental growth of the, the tedium. Yeah. I, again, could not agree with more on the quarterly focus to just get the big things knocked out so sam thank you so much for digging into this playbook with me if people want to learn what you're doing and where to find you where would you point people yeah linkedin share thoughts on there there regularly we've got our podcast becoming a hiring machine if you want to learn a little bit more about recruiting definitely check that out then our website loxo.co so we're, we're pretty easy to find there sam thanks so much for joining me today thank you for listening to this week's episode of scrappy abm if you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out scrappyabm.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.